Welcome back to the EchoCast, a podcast about video game news, speculation, reviews, and whatever else I feel like chatting about. I am your host, Bon, and this week I'll be talking about the Tears of the Kingdom trailer, Redfall only launching with 30 FPS, Game Pass expanding, and much, much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button and comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or to just say hello. A big thank you to supporter level patrons, PK, The Dawn, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash Diesel. One quick note, I am doing a Mass Effect merchandise bundle giveaway. Check out my Twitter. Uh, it's my top tweet. It's my uh, pinned tweet, and you can go there and enter. It's at uh, twitter.com slash Diesel. There should be links for that down below. Gaming news. This week we have 11 stories one of which includes the topic for this week. I have decided to try to add like a weekly topic where it's not necessarily a news story, but it's some aspect or topic in video games that I want to talk about just in general. So that will come after the ad break. And one last thing, if you've listened for the last month and a half and noticed that there was a 13 plus minute ad break uh, where there, there was an issue with my recording of the ad, Uh, So it was a 90 seconds of ad and then like 11 plus minutes of blank space. That was a error on my part. So that is gone. You no longer have to hear that. So if that scared you off before from listening to the whole show, the ad's only 90 seconds now. So please hang. Story number one, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has released the final trailer before the game comes out. This is... um, an interesting story for me. I I haven't owned a Nintendo system. I think the last one I owned was a Game Boy Color. I'm fairly certain. And I think the last games I played was like the OG Pokemon. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. I think I had the blue cartridge with Blastoise on it. So it's been a while for me. Um, I've played the Wii. I've, um, I've actually never even touched a switch. So there's all this hype for this trailer. Um, I've watched the trailer and I've actually watched playthroughs of the last Zelda game and it looked great is it looked like a really fun game. And this, this new game looks like it's going to be amazing. And, um, knowing enough of the story from the last game, it looks like there's some really cool things happening here beyond these crazy gaming mechanics they're adding in. Um, so, I get the hype. I will say, I think that uh, I know for someone like me, I have zero interest in purchasing a switch. Um, At this time today, a switch is like less powerful than most cell phones. It's, it was, it's, it was essentially a really powerful cell phone to start, but it was okay. And now it's aged quite badly. Now, 
that doesn't mean it's not putting out some of the best games. Uh, you know, the developers, especially their first party, are still putting out some of the best games made. And it's still selling like hotcakes, especially the games. It's just for someone like me where I know we're closer to a new console from them than we aren't. It's just so hard. Like, I want to buy a Switch so bad. And I just can't. I can't get myself to do it knowing that there's something right around the corner. Now, is it a year, two years away? I don't know. I, I hope not. But um, so I'm waiting for this, but I get the hype. Um, even with the limitations of the hardware, what they showed off on here, if, if you showed this for any other platform, it, it would be the biggest news of the year. Um, and, and it's a big deal for Nintendo, but Nintendo just kind of does this. They just... It's so interesting. You see so much of the console war talk happening between Xbox and PlayStation fans. Um, and like, obviously, PlayStation has a pretty dominant hand on on that competition. But the it's so funny how Nintendo, by not trying to compete on the hardware power front and kind of and, and going more to the mobile or in-home kind of thing and and they've they've almost like removed themselves from that conversation where like back in like the GameCube days and stuff, they were still trying to kind of compete in that way. Once they gave that up with the Wii, it's interesting. They, they've almost taken themselves down a different road and where no one really cares that their hardware is like hilariously outdated. No one cares that uh, or no one really cares that many of their games are lucky to run at 30 FPS and they run at like, I don't even know if they run at 720p and it doesn't matter because no one expects that they just like good games that get put out on that system. And that's what happens. They don't care that the games on that system never go on sale. They don't care that Nintendo is super, super weird about suing people and the way that they treat stuff like that. They're like kind of bad to their fans. You could argue because they just put out good games and that's all that they have to do. And it's, it's just, it's, it's really interesting. Um, to, to see from the outside where I haven't played, you know, th their games or, or had any of their systems in a long time, but I've always been aware. I worked at GameStop for years in college. And so I sold tons of Wii's, uh, you know, like while I was taking returns on red ringed Xbox 360s, I was selling Wii's while I was having people come back with their PS3s. Uh, that, that that had something wrong with them or that they just didn't like because they didn't have any games for it. I was selling Wii's. Um, I was selling used Wii's, you know, like it was just crazy. And um, in, in this Legend of the Zelda uh, Tears of the Kingdom trailer, with all of the faults that the Switch has and as old as it is, you this is probably still the hypest game of the year. Um, I've seen a lot of people who are probably going to be votes for the next game of the year for this year already basically anointing this as game of the year and even as someone who really doesn't care about the game that much who probably won't play it at least not anytime soon they're probably right even after dead space and even after uh the resident evil 4 remakes even with the final fantasy game coming out even with starfield even with spider-man 2 even you know even with all this stuff that's probably coming this is almost almost a lock for game of the year it's 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 what they've shown so far has made it hard to believe that it's going to be worse than the first game 
And it's almost like a God of War and God of War Ragnarok situation where it looks like Tears of the Kingdom is going to be mostly built off of the last game. It's going to be the last game with more. And that's what Ragnarok basically was. And it won Game of the Year for most people. And that's probably what's going to happen this year. Um, Even if Starfield is amazing, even if Final Fantasy is amazing, even if all these games are amazing, it probably isn't going to matter because... Uh, even and in this again, you know, while you have the PlayStation stands and the and the Xbox stands, you know, the PlayStation stands are hoping that their exclusive games, you know, win again, and Xbox just hopes that they have a game release. You you have Nintendo who's probably just going to mosey on in and just win it, and, you know, and just make the best game of the year and put it out, and then just mosey on out, and and no one's going to say anything because it just is what it is. It's. It's very fascinating. Um, I definitely, I'm, I'm hoping. What I'm really hoping for the for Nintendo is that they do the smart thing and they do a Switch too. That they just put out a Switch. That they don't try any big new gimmicks. They don't do anything silly. They don't do anything stupid. They just make a more powerful Switch, and they put it out. And what I'm afraid of is that they're going to pull another Wii U. You know, they had the Wii. They had this innovative console. It was the one that kind of took them out of the the race that they didn't probably really want to be a part of. And they were super successful, like extremely successful with the Wii. And they got cute and they tried to do the Wii U and it was a disaster. And then they did the Switch and it's been gangbusters. It's been one of the best decisions they've ever made in the way that they did the Wii U or the, the Switch. But I'm so worried that they're going to try to pull another Wii U. They're going to try to do something no one's asking for. They're going to try to innovate in a way that no one asked them to innovate. And they're going to go a weird direction. So here's me hoping Switch 2 comes out in the next year and a half. And I can play Tears of the Kingdom and play the first game, honestly, if I have to be totally honest. As well as a bunch of other exclusives I've missed. Any Mario games, Odyssey, things like that. So here's hoping. Story number two, Redfall, the Xbox exclusive game from Arcane, I believe, is going to release with only the 30 FPS option on Series X and S. They have already said there's going to be a 60 FPS patch to come later. To add some outside takes on this, on uh, Jeff Grubb's morning podcast that he does for Giant Bomb, he did a poll asking, you know, do you play your games on performance mode? So he said 60 FPS, 1080p, or um, a quality mode, which was 30 FPS, 4K. And after around 12,000 votes, it was 84.4% performance mode, 60 FPS, and 15.6% quality mode, 30 FPS. So what I'll say, is that um, when polls, that's a big poll. That's a lot of responses. So it's, I'd say it's valid if you consider the audience. The, the main issue being that Jeff Grubb is not followed by like a majority of gamers. He's not followed by the, the generic gamer, um, especially, you know, with consoles. I would argue, and I'm willing to bet that at least 75%, if not 80 or more, um, uh, console gamers never touch a setting. They start up the game, they play it, they finish, and then they turn it off. 
They don't get into the settings um, unless and so whatever the default setting is, I imagine is typically the one that's used the most often. So I think most games default to quality, especially story based games, because they think that's what people want. Um, I know in most of the games I've played, I've had to change it from quality to performance because I care more about 60 FPS than I do 4K. I actually actively don't give a crap about 4K. Um, I wish there was a way to say I prefer 2K uh, or 1440p. So this has been really interesting because the, 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 the reaction has been interesting. It's been a lot of people calling for them to just delay Redfall um, past it's coming out in May and people are saying, well, just put it out in June or July if that is what you need to be able to do 60 to have it released with 60. The problem is, is that one, most of these same people have expressed over the months now that they don't really that, that they don't know what Redfall is. They kind of don't care. And 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 all of a sudden now when there is a potential controversy, all of a sudden a bunch of people are very interested in talking about Redfield, Redfall or whatever it is, Redfall. So I find that to be a kind of annoying because that's just kind of how it goes, right? Um, these people didn't care before, you know, they could get a few clicks off of it. But here we are. I think I mean, I think this is kind of a bummer, but I'm not like excited about Redfall. Um, I keep seeing them be like, there's been all these stories this week saying like, well, if Redfall can release at 30 FPS, what's going to happen to Starfield? I think it's borderline like ad journalism to pretend that Redfall and Starfield are taken with the same amount of seriousness from anyone, especially Xbox and especially their studios. Redfall basically seems like this weird side thing that Arcane wanted to do because they were sick of doing the Deathloop and the, you know, the other games that they've done. Um, and they, they wanted to do something a little different and that's what they did. And that's cool. It seems like that's what Xbox is cool with them doing. But the fact that people are all of a sudden pretending that this game that we had never heard of a year ago is like Xbox's do or die release this year. Like, come on. Like, it's obviously not. Um, I, it kind of sounds like, you know, it's, it's just okay from the previews I've seen, stuff like that. I personally am not super interested in it. I will play it. Um, I'll probably wait till the 60 FPS patch drops now, or I'll just never play it. I'll keep playing Mass Effect. I'll keep playing Battlefield 2042. I'll keep playing The Division and I'll play whatever else games you know, come out when when I'm able to. And um, and Redfall will just come and go. And that's OK. Like, I, I don't think anyone, even Xbox at any point ever expected Redfall to be like their new Halo. So I just like, I don't know, I found some of the reaction to this to be like kind of cringy. Um, where it's just like before this the story was just like yeah i don't really know what redfall is and i don't really care now the story is i cannot believe redfall is going to release with 30 fps this this is a travesty and ironically speaking about the the first story with legend of zelda the tears of the kingdom that game is going to be lucky to run at 30 fps on the switch so if 30 fps is that big of a deal then it should be for Tears of the Kingdom as well, but it won't be because that game's going to be amazing. And Redfall is probably just going to be OK. And that's fine. But I just think it's kind of funny that that people are like flipping their lid about this when no one cares. It's not that big of a deal. 
everyone's going to move on. No one's going to think about it ever again. I bet that 60 FPS patch comes out in like a week after the game comes out. And then people will be like, oh, okay, this game's also just okay at 60 FPS. So I don't know. I think it's not that big of a deal, but you know, to each their own. Story number three, Game Pass launches in 40 more countries around the world. Um, this is a pretty big deal. Um, not all of these countries. I looked at the list. I, I'm not going to try to say them off the top of my head because I don't want to be wrong. I don't believe that any of these were like the biggest markets in the world. But this is, you know, thousands more people, maybe tens of thousands more people who are going, going to get on Game Pass. And, you know, I've said it a lot. I've talked about it quite a bit. That Xbox seems like they've kind of given up on trying to win the console sales war. Like PlayStation's consumer base, their 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 base is just too big at this point. Like they just sold too many PS4s, and before that, they sold too many PS3s. They did sell a lot of PS3s, but they sold a ton of PS2s, and they just have people on their side, and that's going to be hard for anyone to ever beat, especially Xbox. And so to me, Xbox seems like they've kind of thrown in the towel on that fight. So instead, they've gone towards what's probably the better long term thing to focus on is retention of customers, giving good deals, giving good value and things like that. PlayStation don't care about that because they just don't. And that's fine. When you look at their their subscription thing, like it's fine. And I watch shows that are specifically with people who really like PlayStation. Um, and, and, and they like seem like there's some cool games on their service every now and then their pricing structure is a little confusing. Their tier structure is a little silly in my opinion. Um, but it seems like it's fine, but with game pass, I mean, this is a big deal. There's a, there's a reason a lot of people will constantly hound about how this is the best deal in gaming. Cause it is even without Xbox putting out great first party games, they still get a bunch of great games on here. They get a bunch of games day one. Um, you know, even if it's not exclusives, it's still day one. You paid your 15 bucks and now you get to play it as much as you want. Um, I've seen all the arguments about the downsides of this and stuff, and maybe that will pan out. I don't know. But for now, I think this is really good. I think this is really cool. Um, I think this is the way that Xbox is really going to put pressure on Sony. Um, and, you know, especially once if and it will, the Activision deal goes all the way through. It's, you know, it's just going to get more and more challenging for Sony to not really try to compete because right now they don't have to right now. They can fluff out this kind of mediocre version of it and their fans will be fine because they can go buy, you know, you know, at least once a year they release a game that to someone is the best game ever made. And so when you have that, um, when, when you have that in your uh, in, in, in your storage closet, um, it, it makes things a lot easier and it makes things easier for you to not have to feel like you have to always be chasing down your competitors um, for now. I think that changes eventually. Probably not this gen. Maybe next. We'll see. Uh, story number four is Cyberpunk 2077 had a big update, uh, a big part of it being this new overdrive mode. And what it was is it's a upgrade to the ray tracing system. Um, that essentially uses it's called I think it's called like direct like path tracing or something 
where ray tracing in most video games is a thing where it's kind of talked about where it's like realistic lighting everywhere but how it actually plays out is the game devs basically pick certain kinds of lighting that gets the ray tracing treatment and then the rest of it just goes to old school lighting uh, solutions what this overdrive mode does is it does full path tracing which is like what they do in like movies and the reason they mostly only do it in movies is because movies can render very specific scenes and you know they aren't being played live by people so what they uh what this presents is and what i've seen from it is like hilariously good it's it's even compared to like the best ray tracing before which cyberpunk in many ways is kind of one of the better examples of ray tracing games in general this this overdrive mode makes the best ray tracing before look bad like kind of kind of awful the problem being that even if you have a 4090 a $1600 plus gpu and a corresponding system beyond that which is another you know $1500 at least if not more is it you get about 19 to 20 fps which is basically unplayable for most people for really everyone unless someone's lying now it does have dlss and the fourth you know the 4000 gen um, nvidia cards have dlss 3.0 which it sounds like it's pretty good and in this situation it's proven to be because you can get 100 plus fps in this overdrive mode if you have a four a 4000 series card especially a 4090 and it looks incredible all the previews i've seen all the reviews i've seen you know cyberpunk is almost kind of beside the point that game just is what it is at this point but this this tech demonstration is interesting now something i pointed out uh, i think in the discord uh is that it is weird that they did this because cyberpunk 2077 is on their i think it's the red engine which is what uh which is what cdpr uses but they've already said that they're upcoming games are going to be on unreal engine 5. now we know that means the next witcher game will be on unreal engine 5. they've said that there's more cyberpunk games coming maybe they're going to keep those on the red engine maybe it's going to specialize or something i don't know but you would think that all this work they're putting into this engine which this would have been significant would have maybe been better off you know spent on unreal 5 and their pre-production on whatever they're working on there but I, I trust them to know what they should do with their time and resources better than than this face than this guy so um i don't know it, this is interesting it does look incredible it seems like a thing that we would love to see in all games one day but i think we're at least a gen away from that if not two so we'll see story number five we had um just kind of my thoughts on uh, the mass effect uh, a non-modded playthrough I'm doing. So if you follow the podcast or my streams or my videos on YouTube, you'll know that um, I did a full playthrough from Mass Effect 1 through the end of 3. Um, most of the big moments on stream, if you go to um, my, my VOD playlist, you'll see all of them numbered in there so you can watch them from start to end. And um, I really enjoyed the, that modded playthrough on PC. Um, I especially enjoyed the mods on one. On two and three, they were fine. It was mostly quality of life stuff I, I enjoyed. Um, but 
uh, I really liked Mass Effect 1 uh, modded. There was a lot of mods that made that feel like a much more modern game, um, and it just was nice. So I really expected when I went back to Xbox to do another playthrough there, I really thought it would be like, ah, this is, this doesn't feel good anymore, this vanilla version of the game. Because a big part of the mods in 1 and 3 especially, but and 2 as well, is there's these community patches that fix like uh like hundreds of like fairly small problems but things that like you do notice and so i thought going back to the vanilla game would be like torture and it wasn't it's it was great i, I just tonight on or today on stream finished mass effect one um and it, it's it's great it, it feels like home the, the main issue i had with the mods in mass effect was that they all they so often felt like it felt like you were playing like a different game or like like a it just like didn't feel right like you could tell the stuff was off that things weren't the way they were meant to be when they were first made right and when you play the vanilla version even if it has a bunch of bugs even if things don't line up right even if there's a bunch of stuff missing that that should be there that the mods do restore it still just makes it feel kind of artificial and so I've really found myself enjoying this this console playthrough again. And I enjoyed like the novelty of the modded playthrough. But I think I'm kind of enjoying the you know, just the real feel, I guess, of this non-modded playthrough. So um as I finish two and as I wrap up the playthrough with finishing three, I will talk more about it um and kind of give my impressions on how two and three feel without mods. Uh, I think I'm going to maybe change my tune a little when I have to scan all those planets and collect all those resources and do all that fun stuff. But so far, I prefer the vanilla version. Uh, we did have some Mass Effect events this week. Uh, earlier this week, it was Shepard's negative 131st birthday. Um, April, I believe it was April, was it 10th, maybe? Um, or 11th uh, is is canonically um, Commander Shepard's birthday. And since they aren't born for another 131 years, they are doing their, their birthdays backwards. So there were no big announcements. There was nothing real crazy. Um, I, I was kind of hoping maybe they would give us anything. Um, they did, uh, Bioware did post a N7 helmet with a little cupcake and a happy birthday. Uh, Cage Nephilim, uh, who's often around the channel, uh, felt like they saw something that may have been in in the reflection of the visor of the helmet. Uh, and it certainly looks interesting. I don't know if it's like a reflection of a something on the wall or if it was a purposeful thing they added in to see if people would notice. I, I couldn't decipher it. So I, uh, I'm definitely interested. Maybe one day we'll realize there was a teaser there. Um, uh, when it comes to future news for Mass Effect, I've talked about it in some videos and stuff. I'm thinking maybe they'll be a part of one of the shows in June. They could do an EA play. They do have things to talk about, uh, like Dreadwolf coming from Bioware. They have like the skate game that's that's in development and kind of on its way. Um, you know, it seems like they've been making a big push with Battlefield 2042 to try to get its reputation back because that game really is great right now. It's a lot, it's a ton of fun right now. Um, and so they could sneak in some Mass Effect news, even if it's just another little teaser of some type. 
Um, I still do believe Dreadwolf comes out late this year. And if that comes out before in seven day, I think we could get a fairly substantial in seven day once Dreadwolf is out of the way and all that marketing is done. Um, if it comes out after, I still think in seven day will be notable. Um, they, they've been pretty loose. You know, they've been pretty informative. Um, every in seven day the last couple of years, uh, they've given us more than I expected and, and definitely in 2022. So I would expect that trend to continue uh, this year. Uh, and it could even be like a, like a name reveal or something if Dreadwolf isn't too close to it. But we'll have to wait and see about that. Okay, the story number six uh, is the weekly topic. So it's better romances in games. And so, um, you know, being someone who's played, you know, Mass Effect multiple times on stream and more times than I like to admit, um, uh, off stream uh, in just a couple years, um, I, I think it's an interesting topic to bring up because from most of the games I've ever played that had romances, whether they were like interesting romances or not, most video game romances kind of follow the same procedure. So like cyberpunk, Mass Effect, it's basically you meet character as long as that character aligns with what you are, are what their preferences. You do various tasks for them. You speak to them at the right moments and you say the right things. And look, now you're having a sex scene and you are in a relationship with them in some capacity. But if you talk to them too much, they just start repeating lines and there's only so many things you can do to, with them. And there's only so many, you know, like a, a game like Cyberpunk, especially that kind of made it seem like you were going to be able to do whatever you wanted. But you basically get like one, you know, intimate scene with them and a few other scenes with them. And then it, it's just very procedural. And it's interesting that, you know, you look back at a game like Mass Effect 1 and you in that romance, you know, the romance you can have with Liara or Ashley or Caden um really doesn't seem all that that you know you look at cyberpunk and while like the graphics are prettier and you get to bang someone in a tank and there's small things that seem like they've improved the basic structure of the romances really hasn't they're still the same romances they were before where you just say the right thing and at the right time and you do the task and then you get to smash right and so what I'm really curious about for games moving forward, I think the main one I want to use as an example is uh, the next Mass Effect game is how they can try to improve romances in video games. Um, probably, probably my favorite or like my most like organic relationship I've witnessed in a game was in a game called Haven by the Game Bakers. Um, this game came out, I believe, in 2019. Uh, for me, it was my game of the year. Um, it, it doesn't have the best graphics. It's not the best gameplay. It's not the best story. Um, but the the package is just so good. And they especially portrayed a relationship that felt real. I mean, it was like video game relationships, still, And it was established when the game begins. But just the way that you interact with your partner throughout that game and a bunch of the little interactions and a bunch of the small stuff made it feel like these were two characters actually in a relationship rather than you just saying the right thing at the right time. And so I, I'm really curious about, you know, for example, like the next Mass Effect. I'm really hoping that when that game releases, you know, we're going to have a, a protagonist, whether it's Shepard or a new one, and we're going to have a crew. And, you know, some of that crew will be eligible for us to romance. And what I really hope is that 
Um, and I've been saying this for a while, but I hope that there's something deeper than, you know, make sure to speak nicely to them here. And then after a main mission, do it again. Then after another main mission, do it again. And then do their loyalty mission. And now they love you. And now before the final mission, you'll get to bang them. Like, I hope that there's more to it than that. Um, I think Andromeda, speaking on the Mass Effect front, did things a little better. You had some extra moments you could have with the various partners. Um, and there were more options. And so it seemed like they were moving in the right direction. But I guess for me, like, I just want to see big or even small decisions I make through the game cut people off who would maybe normally be willing to you know, have a relationship with your character. Um, or if you make a decision, say you make a decision that turns one person off, it may interest someone else. Maybe, you know, if you're a really good guy, if you make a bunch of moral decisions, some characters will be interested and some won't anymore, even though you technically fit their criteria. Uh, maybe you do something specifically to a character that they really hate and they decide that they hate you forever. And even though, you know, technically or mechanically you should be able to relation you know, have a relationship with a character you, you now now you can't and it's because of maybe even small decisions you made that you were completely unaware were going to in, impact the situation now a part of this is you know say when the next mass effect game comes out and after a year people are going to figure out every little choice you can make and and it will turn into a thing where you can do a relationship by numbers right where you there will be guides to tell you exactly how the relationship someone but i really hope that that guide is tough to make and that there's lots of little variables and lots of weird things um that can happen and that you have to watch out for instead of you know you could you can have a relationship with any characters in the trilogy or even Andromeda by just making sure you talk to them a lot and always be positive or flirty, whatever, you know, the option is. And so I just hope that, you know, moving forward, they find a way to make these things more organic. Now, obviously, you know, when you're making a game, you've got lots of priorities. You've got, you know, bug fixing and, and making sure the story is good and compelling. And like in an RPG, you have to worry about all these branches of the story that you can, that people can go down and making sure everything makes sense and stuff. So I understand that the relationships may not be the highlight or the, the top priority of a game like this or any other game. But you hope that it is a little bit people obviously if you are in the mass effect community uh, whether it's the trilogy or andromeda people a lot of fans really care about their like canon relationship or, or whatever so um and it's not just mass effect it's it's any other game that allows you to have these type of relationships um, you know, I really hope that cyberpunk was going to be more creative. Um, and they, it, cyberpunk has good relationships. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't, it has interesting, compelling interactions and conversations you can have. And, and cyberpunk does have some fairly minute variables that can ruin your chances to have a relationship with another character, Pan Am specifically, there's some relatively hard, easy to miss moments that, that you could screw that up with. And so I just, I, I would really like to see them improve that, uh, whether it's the next, Ma next mass effect or any other game. And I hope they don't go the way of Starfield where we've already found out that there at least won't be sex scenes, uh, and that there probably won't be big relationships. You, 
you could technically have relationships in the in the Fallout games, but they were always very like featureless and, and basically pointless. Um, I believe in Skyrim, you could like marry people and stuff, but even that was relatively featureless. So we'll see. Let me know what you think about it down in the comments or if you're on uh, the audio podcast, uh, come to the Discord and tell me about it or just hit me up on Twitter. I'd be curious to what you think. Story number seven is is more of a question. It's something I proposed, I believe, on Twitter where I said, like, can remakes be game of the year? I spoke before about how The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is probably almost a shoe in for game of the year this year. But let's pretend it's not. Let's say that they, um, you know, flub up somehow. And Resident Evil 4, which I think for a lot of people today probably is their game of the year. Can that do it? Now, back in 2021, when Mass Effect came out, I came out and said, like, this, 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 this remaster, not remake, is my game of the year. No one cares about what my game of the year is. But I was willing to do that because to me, it was a brand new game. Obviously, to the the big dogs, to all the big shows and stuff, um, it seems like they make a pretty clear distinction that remasters definitely can't be game of the year because they are the old game just updated. Now, I think remakes are a little more compelling. Um, back when the Resident Evil 2 remake came out, I think that there were people who felt like that deserved a shot as much as any other brand new game. Because it's a... And if you don't know the difference, a remaster is typically taking the old game and updating it a lot, but it's still the old game. Where a remake is where you start with typically a new engine and you start from scratch. You're just heavily inspired by the original game and so like this year we had the dead space remake and the resident evil 4 remake which both are from the ground up you know brand new games that just were heavily inspired by the previous game so um personally i think remakes absolutely should be eligible um on on like a big scale um you, you can't i can't see the way people have reacted to the resident evil 4 and and seen myself what resident evil 4 is from some time i've gotten to play and not think that that game it should at least be eligible now is it gonna beat out tears of the kingdom final fantasy starfield or any other games that are coming out uh, probably not maybe not i don't know but i think it should and probably will at least be on the nominations right like i'd be pretty amazed if the nominations for game of the year come out and we don't see resident evil 4 remake on a bunch of the big list and like most list so let me know what you think especially about that uh in the places i told you before um, i'm curious if you think remakes should count for game of the year nominations I spoke before about the overdrive mode for Cyberpunk, and a part of that is that the RTX 4070 released this week for $599. If you're not a PC gamer, this will be a bunch of gobbledygook to you, but if you are, you'll know that um, the GPUs or graphics cards have really boosted in price this generation. Um, Through COVID, they got crazy because of crypto mining and just shortages in, in general which were kind of self-inflicted by the GPU companies. They raised their prices on GPUs like 50% or more uh, comparable to the previous gens. And it seems like even though sales are down and they're getting kind of punished for it, they seem pretty determined to keep these prices way higher than they used to be. 
Uh, this 599 for a 4070 isn't awful. It's just also not great. It should probably be 499. And, um, you know, it seems like an okay deal at 599, but I don't know, like someone like me who is probably technically a customer for this, I have a 3060 TI in my PC and that 4070, like, yeah, I could probably get 200 bucks for my 3060 TI. And so I could, you know, technically get this for 400 bucks, but like I look at the performance increases and for the, especially the type of gaming I do, it kind of doesn't seem worth it. And so why would I do that? It just doesn't make sense for me. So all the power to them. If you need a new GPU, I, I think people who are still on like the 1000 series cards, maybe even 2000 series cards, maybe this is something to consider, but I, I think they're going to keep struggling to get people to upgrade because the prices are silly and the upgrades just aren't that great. Basically, the only card they've released in this current gen that's worth it is the 4090 because it is way faster than its, pre its predecessor. It's also almost $2,000. So, no thank you. Story number nine, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has gotten an official date for its delay. We, we found out it would be delayed uh, last month or the month before, and now we know what it's getting delayed to, and it's getting delayed from this May to next February 2nd, 2024. This conversation around this game has been interesting. Like, I'm not personally super interested in this game, but when I saw the gameplay uh, during the PlayStation show uh, a few weeks or a month or so back, I thought it looked like tons of fun. I think it looks like a fun, silly game, which is what a game like this should be. Um, it got panned a lot. It's really interesting that I've seen people literally be like, well, all of the taken over stuff in the game has these like, purple balls on them that you're supposed to shoot like yeah it's a game like there's lots of things i think to complain about here the fact that like everyone's using guns and it, you know they all kind of seem like they fight the same or whatever i don't know but the stupid purple gamified things are so such a pedantic thing i think to argue about or to complain about with this game um, but anyway, so this is a nine month delay. Um, it was really interesting. I saw a podcast today where someone who was a guest on a pretty prominent podcast was like, well, nine months is a really long time. They, they're basically going to make a new game. And it was really funny because uh, this was a guest, the host on the show who knows that nine months is actually a pretty short delay and, and definitely isn't long enough to do really anything that substantial. Um, you could tell they kind of recoiled and were like, oh, yeah, haha. well, I actually probably they probably won't do that much because it's really only enough time to implement relatively medium changes. And so it was really awkward when I watched it. But um, I don't see the controversy and stuff here. It's just it's a Suicide Squad game like it's going to come out. Some people are going to love it. Some people won't. It's probably not going to be as big of a disaster as like the Avengers game. It's also probably not going to be the next destiny. So I hope that during this delay that they don't get worked too hard. I hope they eventually get to put this game out and that they're happy and proud of it, you know, happy with it and proud of it. And um, I hope that the people who enjoy it get to enjoy it. And the people who don't just leave it alone. That's my thought. Story number 10, Ubisoft Plus is now on Game Pass. But it's not part of Game Pass, like uh, say like EA uh, with EA Play or whatever it is. Um, it is an extra eighteen dollars a month, which is more than Game Pass. 
Um, this hit, uh, this has been rumored for a long time that Ubisoft Plus, which is a subscription plan for most of the Ubisoft library, that it was eventually coming. Um, I don't think many people expected it to be a separate payment, especially not one that's more than Game Pass. Um, this is a real weird move. Like, I don't think, I think Ubisoft is doing this for like future reasons, because right now, like, for me personally, and I said this on Twitter, there's not an Ubisoft game that's come out since early 2019 that I would pay for. Uh, I don't need your Far Cries. I, I don't need, you know, your, you know, your other, you know, three games that you release over and over again. Um, this is a weird, like that price is crazy. If it was like a two or three dollar addition to Game Pass, I would be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But asking that much for it, like, you know, I struggle with Game Pass and I use it all the time all the time i can't even imagine why i would play on ubisoft plus it is so bizarre um this was a again i i assume this was a move where they are thinking long term and that the idea is you know as they have more it's like game pass kind of except game pass actually has a bunch of cool stuff on it even without first party i just i this is a weird move uh, by ubisoft i i don't know who values their games like this but maybe enough people do that they feel comfortable charging that and story number 11 speaking of x defiant uh, speaking of ubisoft x defiant is having a public test you can actually watch uh, streamers streaming this that i bet are definitely not doing paid sponsored streams um this game is weird so i was gonna stream this i actually got i was getting my stream ready the other night i was ready to, to rock and roll to to do this thing and um and sure enough, they uh, I've I downloaded the game. I've tried to start it a hundred times. It, it had over a few days. It had to be. It's had to have been over a hundred times. And either get stuck at the loading screen, or I get into the menu and it locks up, or I get into the matchmaking, but then it locks up and quits out, and I get an, an error. Um, I've uninstalled the game completely, reinstalled it. Still the same issues. Um, I've played this game a lot. I've been uh, testing in a testing group for this game for longer than I'm allowed, than I would be technically allowed to say, but a really long time. And this game has just been a mess since day one, and it still is. Like, it's more complete now. The last time I played it, I, I am allowed to talk about that. Um, that was a private test, but you were still allowed to talk about it. It's a weird. They're doing this really weird. But, like, it just feels like a cell phone, like free to play game that they're putting on PC and that in console. That's like, just like knockoff call of duty with like some overwatch vibes in it. And it just, I don't know. Like, it's just weird. Like this, it was so because the original testing, all of the maps were division related maps. This, this game is made in snowdrop, which is um, the divisions engine that massive Ubisoft massive manages um the original factions were um enemy factions from the division but all of the other factions are like hero factions i guess besides the phantoms or whatever but like i just like like they have this this hero shooter ish thing but instead of having like division agents you're playing as some of their antagonists and I saw an article, it's like, well, all of the good guys in the Ubisoft games are tech, so they didn't want to have more tech guys. Like, you're seriously going to tell me that, like, like the wolves from, 
uh, Ghost Recon are more popular than like then cut the wolves and have shade agents be in the game. Like I find it really, really hard to believe that people would rather play as the wolves than a, a division agent. Maybe I'm just biased because I like the division, but this game is just such a mess and, and, and its fans are weird. There's this whole thing with the type of matchmaking the game has um that people think it's better than call of duty like th there's there's a weird vibe with this game where it's really obvious that a bunch of people who are mad at call of duty think that x defiant is like the next big thing and they're like and i think that half of them are bots there's no way these are all real people like it's just the way they interact with other people like it's just it's got to be like auto responses it's so weird and and, when, and I've played this game and I see these people like, and I understand that, you know, everyone has their own preferences. Totally cool. No issues with that at all, obviously. But like, this game just feels at best okay. And people are talking about this game. Like, I mean, I've, you see people being like, oh, this is going to finally bury Call of Duty. It's like, like, come on. Like, you're out of your mind. Like, you're out of your mind. If you think, the the, the, the thing is, is that, this being a free-to-play Ubisoft game, especially a competitive one, there's a better chance it doesn't have servers in 12 months after it releases than it's going to take down Call of Duty. Like, like people need to realize that it's it's almost certainly going to like just go away. Like, it, it might like catch a little interest for like a week, and then people will forget it ever existed. And, and like, I feel bad for the devs and the comm devs and everyone who's trying to get this thing to happen. But there's also just been like a really weird arrogance from a lot of, especially their fans, but even like the head dev and stuff like that, I think has put off some weird vibes about this game. Um, but uh, maybe I'm an old man and I'm wrong and I don't know what I'm talking about. So we'll see if, um, if I'm right or not. That's all of these stories for this week. I will jump into listener questions. If you have your own question uh, for uh, or topic or anything for me to talk about in next week's show, uh, please let me know in Discord. Uh, you can let me know in the YouTube comments, um, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Bondiesel or at the EchoCast, and I would be happy to talk about whatever you want me to talk about next week. This week, I actually had a topic presented to me by Master Prime on the Discord, and it was a link to a... I believe it was Gamer Inks or something that did uh, is a long video. But in the middle of the video, there was a story about how EA appears to be testing going fully digital with their games in South Africa. Um, and uh, Master Prime wanted my thoughts on this. So um, my honest take is that I haven't bought a physical game since the 360 generation on my Xbox One and One X. I never bought a single physical game. I only ever had uh, uh, digital purchases and then on my series X as well. I don't even think they sell PC, uh, disc games anymore. I think that's all through steam and all the various stores. I do have one Xbox one game back here somewhere that is, uh, Assassin's Creed origins, which is incredible. It's a great game. Um, that it was a, it was a Christmas gift, um, back when, um, one of uh, a part of a family did a gift exchange. I got that from a family member, which was cool. It was fine. It's the only disc I've entered into my, and that was on my original Xbox. That was in my Xbox one. So, uh, you know, even that has, it's been quite a while. So 
I think this is fine. I think this is where it's going. I've seen people push back on this, but the thing is, is that today, even game discs that you get rarely have the game on them. And if they do have the game, they have the game as it was when the game went gold and they started printing it. And if you don't hook it up to a an internet connection and get patches, you're going to get a game that probably doesn't work or at least has tons of issues because the way gaming works now is it it used to be that when it went gold and they started printing that game had to mostly be just done but now when games go gold and they start printing the disc they continue to work on it for the next two months and doing patches and efficiency you know upgrades and bug fixing and all that and so you know when you pull out your disc and you install your game it's essentially just a a, a serial code your disk is so it, it, it either it may install some of the game from the disk and then it downloads the rest from the internet and then you get what's called the day one patch which is you know all of the fixes for the game and that for a lot of games is what makes it playable because when games go gold now they they aren't all ready to go they they count on that month or two to to fix like big stuff and so even if you have a disc for a game, especially with how many games nowadays are online require, require some kind of check-in online. I just like, I understand why people are grasping onto that, but every day we get closer to a time when it's just, you're gonna have to have an internet connection to play games. Um, you even have a game, games like The Division and, and many other games at this point that like, like I've seen people say like, well, when The Division 1 server shut down, I hope they put out a patch that lets the game just work on my console and they, they won't because they can't like, like the, for at least what I know of division one and two, those games are literally designed where like a bunch of the stuff that happens on screen moment to moment, isn't happening on your console. It's happening on their servers and it's being sent to your console that the power of your console is being supplemented by the servers. Um, things like enemy AI and stuff. Uh, in a game like The Division, if you lose the internet connection, you can still for a while run around the world and you can shoot and you can do a bunch of client side stuff, but the enemies all stop doing anything because they're, if they don't have an internet connection, all of their AI, all of the ways they behave come from a server. So the thing you can't just turn off the servers for these games and like you lose co-op, no, you lose AI you lose a lot of the environmental streaming data, like you lose a lot. And so I know people are pushing back on the digital thing, but it's it's already over in my opinion. But maybe I'm just a suck up to the to the, the corporations. I don't know. But thank you for that question. And again, if you have any of your own for next week, please be sure to hit me up. And that's where I'm going to wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, I really do appreciate anyone taking their time to hear me out. I know solo weekly gaming podcasts are probably not the hottest ones around. So if you listen to this or if you're a new listener, I really do appreciate it. I do apologize for the ad issue I had for the last couple of weeks, um, but that should be fixed up. We shouldn't have any more problems with that. Um, if you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please hit me up on any of the places I've talked about before. Um, you can catch me all over the internet as Bond Diesel. Uh, you can get me on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, and even over on Twitch, as well as a few other places I'd probably forget. And uh, that's all I have for this one. So until next time.